Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to episode 14 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined by my co-host, the man, the myth, and always alive, Aaron Riley. Aaron, back again for another show this week. Uh, hopefully, everyone is going to enjoy their Friday and enjoy their weekends after listening to this. Uh, we touched on the NBA a little bit. We touched on the NFL. Your boy, Dallas Goddard, got into it with a couple of probably not fans in, in South Dakota. We can, I think we can confidently say they weren't fans of his, or maybe they aren't anymore. Um, but, yeah, we, we talked about a, a couple of different topics surrounding the NFL and, and the NBA. But uh, what else do the listeners have to look forward to today? Uh, you know, going to touch on, on a couple of debates on, on who gets out of the, the East uh, from the NBA whether it be the Bucks, whether it be the 76ers, uh, a couple teams there that, that throw my interest. Uh, obviously the West, uh, you know, who's, who's going to prevail, Lakers or, or Clippers, at least from, from our estimations. And then, you know, just a, a bunch of variety of other topics uh, that we'll get into as we go. Let's get after it. And now for today's topics. Let's go this past weekend. Yeah, you got rocked. To say the least, got a shit pumped. This is a podcast, so obviously you guys can't see the video, but kind of a kind of a cheap shot. Yeah, I wouldn't say kind of. I would say it was a cheap shot. I think it was a Cowboys fan that hit him. If I just a hot take, hot prediction, I had to have been. He's probably pissed at Dax on his contract, so he punched an Eagles player. But yeah, he was at a bar, and I think it was South Dakota. Uh, he was mouthing off with some guy who was also in the bar, and then out of nowhere, coming from his left, um, he just gets clocked in the face and immediately crumples to the floor, which was definitely a cheap shot. Anytime you see see someone is knocked out before they hit the ground is obviously a little bit tough, but had had to bring it up because it uh, has to do with Aaron's Eagles. So Yeah, I mean, uh, no matter who that would have been, whether it be uh, even a Cowboy, that type of thing, that, that was an extremely just a cheap shot by, by all means. And, uh, you know, that guy obviously is going to pay the penalty for that. I think he's already, you know, charged with maybe assault or, or what have you. So just yeah, like Miles Garrett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just uh, extremely unfortunate. Obviously, alcohol does uh, influence people to act a little bit more, you know, sporadic uh, at times. So, you know, myself included in that category. So uh, that's not true. <laughs> I'm sure he'll recover. He's an NFL player. He's been through, I'm sure, worse injuries. But you know, a cheap shot and and you know, a big blow. Obviously, uh, what is Goddard like? Good, like he's a tight end. Obviously, I, I think he's what number two behind Earths. Like, is he? Is he good? Like, I don't even know his stats. Like, I don't even know what year right. he is in the league. So, like, going into last season, he was really 
you know, fo- you know, they focused him on, on blocking, I want to say, most of the time. Uh, but last year, down the, especially down the stretch, I want to say like the sixth, you know, six to eight, uh, lat, you know, the late regular season games in, in that schedule, he, he broke out and, and did a whole lot, you know, caught a whole lot of passes. He played a huge game in Washington that, that the Eagles you know, barely pulled out. So he definitely stepped up last season. I, I was kind of the mindset where I'm not going to say he was irrelevant in the past, but yeah. he didn't really – Took his time. Yeah, he didn't He didn't really pop. You know, you turn on the TV and you, you might see him once or twice where, you know, during the, the last couple of games of the season down the stretch when they needed him, uh, he showed up big. So, you know, big Dallas Goddard fan, you know, after helping us out so much throughout that, that late season stretch. So hopefully he can uh, keep that up. Keep some pressure off of uh, Ertz. Um, I know Ertz wants to be the highest paid tight end in the league. Really? I don't, I don't really blame him for that, but at the same time, I do. That's a problem because we got to pay other, you know, position players, and we're still there's still holes to be filled on this team. So I, I hope Ertz kind of gives us some type of hometown discount when there's when there's players like Travis Kelsey out there. Obviously, you got Gronk coming back. I don't know how much Gronk has in the tank, but George Kittle, George Kittle. So if if Goddard's like I guess progressing as a player and trending upwards, and Ertz wants this monster contract, do you see them letting him walk in in favor of Goddard, or or is the the talent disparity still pretty large between Goddard and, and Ertz? Sure. So I think if you look at their careers, I think Goddard's missed more games and caught far less balls. So I think <laughs> uh, you know that's not that's no hit against Dallas Goddard. I just that's think that. Yeah, that's that's the facts, and I think I think Ertz is pretty much Iron Man out there. I mean, he he's played through you know numerous injuries in the past. I think he's one of those guys. No matter you know what it takes, he he gets out there and gives it his all. So, in my opinion, I think we gotta come to some type of agreement with Ertz. Maybe you don't sign him long term. Maybe you get him for two more years or something like that, and then let him walk. But I just think he's he's such an asset, and especially if if Wentz is gonna be the one playing. Uh, that's always his go-to guy. If, if you watch them on third down, I, I guarantee the ball goes to, to Ertz like 75% of the time, you know, in, in a passing formation uh, on a third down play. So I just think he he's too big of a piece to lose at this point. But at the same time, obviously, we have to, we have to be smart with the amount of money we pay him and how that's going to impact the rest of the team as certain, you know, like the offensive line, for example, is aging very, very quickly. And, and I think they really have one more year where this, this group is together. They're starting to, to work in the younger guys, but Jason Kelsey maybe has one more good years and, and one more good year. And uh, Jason Peters is pretty much, uh, you know, destroyed at this point, but they're, I think they're trying to bring him back for one more. So free agent, Jason Peters. I want the Jets to sign him. <laughs> you might as well light that money on fire. What is he like 38, 39? He's gotta be, he's gotta be like 39. He's had every injury known to man. It's all right. So the Jets. <laughs> Uh, so, so if, is this Ertz's second contract coming up? Is has he already had his rookie contract? I think this would be. I think. Or is this is this his first contract out of his rookie deal? I think this is would be his. I want to say it's his third contract. Oh, third. Oh, I know. He, I know he's not on his his rookie deal anymore. I'm pretty sure he signed. You know, some. I was going to say. I feel like he's been in the league for a long time now. Because he was, it was basically yeah. him and him and like Brent Selleck for a little bit, right? And then Ertz surpassed him. I feel like I have the same sort of inkling with, I get the same feeling from Goddard and Ertz as well. Like Goddard's like sort of the up and coming guy who might surpass Ertz eventually, but obviously Ertz is is still the guy and still has in, insane chemistry with Carson Wentz. But I feel like Goddard might be sort of coming up and, and maybe waiting in the wings to say to say uh, to make a comparison there. 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's a pretty accurate comparison. I was extremely happy to see Brent Selig retire. Uh, as you know, his last couple seasons, he was obviously just a little bit past his prime at that point, and you know, Ertz stepped in and made a a bigger impact. I think Ertz is a hell of a lot better than than Brent Selig was. You know, even in his prime. Uh, but you know, what I'm reading here. This this came out in March that I'm a little bit behind behind the times here, but uh, the Eagles exercised his 2021 option, uh, so he's on the books for eight million this coming season, and then 8.25 million the next season. So, wow, um, you know he's under contract for the next two. Like I said, that's what I think they they should have done. Um, that's decent money though for a tight end. Like the, I mean, like for the Eagles, that's pretty favorable. Right now, I think uh, it's not a huge cap hit. No, it's it's not. I mean, he's like I said. I I think he's one of the best tight ends. I might not put him number one. Top I think, five. Yeah, I think say top three. I would say top three and not three and not two. <laughs> Shout out. But uh, yeah, I think he might be the most durable tight end. I'll say that. I'll, I'll be on the record as saying that. Just he uh he he's battled through injuries, but he he continues to go out there even when I know last season it. I think there was a couple – like he missed one game because of broken ribs, but he was supposed to miss like two to three games. So Why did he miss one? Gutless. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Literally. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with that idea. I'm with the idea of him being under contract for two more years. I think if he plays like he's played the, the last couple seasons, he'll get a, a massive extension somewhere. Uh, or, I'm sorry, a massive contract somewhere. I don't know if the Eagles at that point let him walk. I probably do only from a, a cap perspective because he's going to want probably double what, what he's making now. And, you know, Goddard might come into his own by then. So we can just kind of – like Howie Roseman says, we're the quarterback factory. I think maybe we're more so the tight end factory because I'm not going to say we're the quarterback factory. I don't know if that's accurate. Jamal Adams for Zach Ertz, do you do it? Hell no. Hell no. I, I say – Yeah, you have to give us two more first-round picks. No. <laughs> I say you turn the other way as fast as you can. I know. I don't give up Zach Ertz for Jamal Adams. Just uh, we we need more options on offense anyway. We drafted it seemed like seven receivers and signed three more of them. So hopefully we we threw it enough at the wall to make it stick. But you know Wentz was playing with practice squad guys down the stretch last season, so anything can go. You know coming up this this coming season. So you're hoping Jamal Adams goes to a team like the Cowboys, so you can go in there, um, essentially ruin their locker room like he's been ruining the Jets locker room and has ruined their culture over the past week or so. Um, I, I just don't think the Cowboys have enough cap space. They just signed Dak, or, or Dak just signed his franchise tender for, I think it's like $32 million a year, and they have to sign a couple offensive linemen. They have to sign a couple linebackers. Aaron's disgusted that Dak Prescott makes that much money. I just don't think they can sign him. And I think if, if Dak had signed maybe a four-year, five-year deal, I think they could have maneuvered some of the cap to potentially also sign Adams to an extension. Um, I just think with a one-year deal, it, it might set him might set him up personally for you know more than that thirty-four million dollars next year, or maybe thirty-one. I think you know fucking that up, but it's it's somewhere north of thirty flat. I'll play that much. So, I mean, do, do you think like Dak signing that contract, it might leave Adams to to maybe get traded elsewhere, or do you think like Dallas is the place for him to go? Well, it's kind of interesting if you if you remember, Old Thomas was was kind of clamoring at the Cowboys a couple of years ago to yeah. you know to. Sign me, sign me, and he walked into their locker room after a fucking game. Like yeah, you can't. I can't really respect the guy for that. I mean, that's <laughs> that's totally giving up on your teammates and and just having no respect for your you know organization that you're a part of. Jamal Adams is kind of doing the same thing. I I don't really understand, and and this isn't even a perspective of me not liking the Cowboys, but 
the fascination around the Cowboys and, and them being quote unquote America's team. I don't understand that so much because yeah. if you look at it from pretty much the, the time period where, you know, Daniel and I have been born from and until now they haven't done jack shit, you know, <laughs> you know, that's relevant. So I guess I get it from a perspective of, you know, their, their players are kind of like celebrities uh, in the public eye. I think they're kind of like the Yankees of, of football in, in the aspect of like, you know, they, they get a lot of press, they get a lot of, you know, notoriety but obviously nowhere close to the amount of success the New York Yankees have, you know, experienced in their history of their organization. So I think Jamal Adams is going to try his best to, to get himself on that team. I ultimately, like like Dan kind of alluded to, I mean, they have Ezekiel Elliott on a huge contract. Marcus, uh, what is it, Lawrence? Defensive. Marcus Lawrence on a big contract. Jamari yeah. Cooper on a big contract. Jamari Cooper, they just signed him, like, what, last year? Half their offensive lines on a big contract. So I just – I don't see – Jerry Jones being able to finesse that that too much. My main man, Skip Bayless, doesn't want him there. So skip. you, you got to listen to Skip sometimes. Skip, skip, skip. I don't know. I don't know where it really ultimately ends up. I could see somehow, some way, him on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just because, you know, he wants to win. And God help me if that happens. I just – it's one of those scenarios where it's like, you know, Brady will do everything he can to, to try and land somebody that, that can be effective for them. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't see him ending up on the Cowboys. I kind of wish – like, you know, Dan alluded to that he would get in there and be a locker room cancer, kind of like an Antonio Brown scenario when he went to the Raiders. Uh, ultimately, I, I don't see him landing there, not to say that he won't. I think there's still a chance uh, anything's possible with him, but it doesn't make logical sense to me right now. Uh, I think that just going back to the fascination with the Cowboys, I saw a tweet from a reporter. It was like, he, he said he never has to ask players if they want to go to the Cowboys because every player wants to play for the Cowboys. And I, I think that might be a little bit of an overstatement, maybe be a little bit facetious there. But sure. I, I think the, the, the Yankees comparison is is definitely, like, relatable because you either hate the team as a fan or you love the team as, as, as a fan as well. And I, I think, you know, for Adams specifically, Jamal lives in Dallas, from Dallas. He spends his off-seasons in Dallas. His family's in Dallas. So. I think it makes sense. I think Earl Thomas was from Texas as well. So that just sort of made sense for, for him to potentially want to go back there too. So, you know, if, if they can get, let's say, you know, first-round pick, a receiver like Michael Gallup and a second-round pick from the Cowboys, I would do that in a heartbeat. If they can't, if they can only get a first-round pick and a second-round pick, I probably don't do it. I think you need an established player in addition to those picks to make it sort of worthwhile for the Jets. The problem is they have no fucking leverage, um, and, and especially with him – releasing his list of like eight teams like if I'm a team like the Jaguars and, and I need a safety I'm not going to trade with the Jets because he's not on that list because they're not on that list of you know teams he wants to go to so why would I get him for two years and then ha and then lose him to for basically nothing you know for signing a, an extension elsewhere with a different team so this sneakily could be a, a ploy for the Jet for him to get the Jets to speed up their timeline and ultimately get a contract as soon as soon as possible, sooner rather than later. I, I, you know, I think a lot of this BS on social media might be him just trying to get an extension out of them as quick as possible. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I'm not sure how we got on. I think I guess I asked you the question, so that's how we got on the Jamal Adams tangent. But I guess the big story was Dak making 31 mil. So I, don't, I mean, I have no idea what uh, what Mahomes and Watson will eventually get. I don't think they'll be on you know, franchise, you know, franchise tender or the franchise tag when they ultimately get their contracts, you know, or, or you know, play out their contracts. But it has to be around 40 to 45, I'd, I'd have to think. Yeah, no, I think uh, they're going to push the envelope. I think deservingly so, especially uh, 
Pat Mahomes, obviously already a quarterback that's won a Super Bowl in, in just three seasons. You know, I think he's worth every penny. Um, you know, obviously he's going to – it's it's going to negatively impact the team from a perspective of, you know, they can't continue to sign, you know, these receivers that are amazing and track stars, you know, year after year after year. They're going to have to, you know, uh, you know, play with the cap to, to where – the talent level goes down maybe a little bit, but you know Pat Mahomes is, is so good it probably won't matter, extre- you know, at an extreme level. Their defense probably will suffer even more than they already do, uh, from a perspective of they're they're just not going to be, you know, on a, an elite level. I think eventually that bites them in the ass. I don't think Mahomes can keep up a pace, you know, for ten years like he is right now. Uh, I'll, I'll go on record and say that I think he gets another ring or two at least. I know I'm not going to say that. He doesn't have success, uh, you know, long term. But I think that's going to play a factor. But you know, back back to the point where if, if Dak Prescott makes thirty one million coming into to this season, there's no way in hell that that Mahomes shouldn't get nine million more than him. I mean, he's <laughs> he's probably worth twenty million more than than Dak Prescott is. So I just when you introduce the segment, I you know, obviously I chuckled a little bit. I, I think it's it's utterly ridiculous that Dak Prescott's getting thirty one million. I, I think. It's utterly ridiculous that um, drawing a blank on the Vikings, uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins that, that's how irrelevant he is. But <laughs> you know, gets them to the playoffs, yes, but never really makes a, a big difference in, in the grand scheme of you know winning a championship or getting close to winning a championship. And he got tremendously overpaid. He hit the market at the exact right time. I mean, he must be Irish with that type of luck that he has because that, that just that doesn't make sense. And that getting thirty-one million doesn't make much sense to me personally I don't know how you feel about that I agree I'm not a you know Dak Prescott guy I think he is a better quarterback than Tony Romo was as evidence on last week's podcast but uh no in all seriousness I, I don't think he's worth 30 million I don't think you know many of the guys who make that much money are, are worth 30 million you know Tom Brady um never really made as, as much money as he probably should have when you know he was on the Patriots and and you know, ultimately took money year after year. So, you know, Belichick could pay some other players and that would take them over the top, you know, to, to win those championships. So I don't think he should make that much money. I think by signing this franchise tag, he's kind of betting on himself. Um, similar to how Kirk Cousins played out his last couple of years on the franchise tag in, in Washington. It's definitely pretty risky. You know, you, you could come out on any given Sunday, God forbid, but you could pull a sort of an Alex Smith and, and have your career change in an instant on, any given play so it's it's obviously a risk to play on a franchise tag but if he can consistently make 30 million a year the next couple of years on the tag maybe it makes sense and then maybe he cashes in elsewhere but I think as long as the Cowboys have the ability to franchise tag him and as long as he sort of has the mindset of I want to make 40 million a year I, I don't think I see them coming to an agreement on a contract so we'll see how it plays out I, I think like if I'm a team like that needs a quarterback and, and Dak Prescott's out there for the taking I think I try to pounce immediately so I, I like, like I don't I'm not the biggest fan of Dak Prescott whatsoever but I do think he's a quarterback that can come in and, and win games depending on the cast around him but that's that's sort of enough on on the NFL there but uh for some reason Dak keeps coming up in our in our conversations week after week yeah sure so just just something to touch on real quick I think I think Dak Prescott to me is very comparable to Jared Goff to an extent I don't think either one of them is spectacular or like life-changing I'll, I'll say that Jared Goff's making 33 and a half million which I think is 
is a crime at the same time, you know, obviously the value, the value is kind of going up for the quarterback position, um, you know, from a cap perspective, it's always been, you know, the, the coveted position and the, and the most valuable, but you know, the numbers just keep going up. I mean, big, big Ben is on pace to set to, to make 34 million. So I think he's worth 34 million at, at this no stage of his career. You got Kirk cousins make, making 33, you know, just to name a few. And then, Brian Tannehill got a massive payday as well, just kind of as a result of, of last season. So once again, just timing is really everything. But at the same time, it's kind of funny. You look at Drew Brees, he's at number 12 on, on the list. I mean, yeah, he, he's, I'd say, past his prime, but I still consider him elite. And I think he's very, very consistent year to year to year to year for a, quite a long – since he's been in New Orleans, I would say. Uh, and he's only on pace to make 25. So I don't wow. think – Dak Prescott is better than Drew Brees, and nor will I, you know, I don't think he'll, most likely he'll end his career not being as good as Drew Brees was. So, uh, kind of interesting, you know, a lot, a lot of these other guys are on their, their rookie contracts, um, you know, for example, like like a, a Baker Mayfield is still on a, a rookie contract. Right. I, I don't know if he's, you know, he's an $8 million quarterback, according to uh, you know what? What he's yeah, making right his, now? Yeah, but, as far as his rookie deal, exactly. But I mean, Jimmy G's at twenty-seven and a half million. So it, yeah. really, all these guys are making, I think, more than what they deserve to make. It's funny. Nick Foles is only making eight million. Not not to say Nick Foles is a tremendous threat. Any, you know, I think in Philly for some reason he's, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But <laughs> he tends to go other places and and just struggles a little bit, which you know pains me to say. I, I do root for him no matter what, but. That's besides the point. Uh, I just think $32 million for, for Dak Prescott is probably $10 million too much, like, in all honesty. So, But the market is kind of changing in, in that aspect uh, in the fact that just people are making a boatload. You know, when a, when a guy like Joe Burrow or, or when a guy like Trevor Lawrence gets their second contract, they're probably making forty five. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the market you know, is what it is. I just think that it's such a quarterback-driven league that you can't really afford to not have a semi-competent quarterback and expect to win some games. So even if you have a great defense, you have a great running back, you have a great offensive line, you have a great set of wide receivers, but if you have a, a Mark Sanchez type of quarterback, you're not going to do anything. And it's all about wins in, in this league. It's all about quarterbacks who can win in this league. And ultimately, a guy like Dak Prescott, who – might be hovering around average um, is going to get paid north of 30 million just because that's what his market value is. And that's what the market has dictated. And, you know, if, if he was the first guy to get paid 30, I'd be like, this is you know fucking ridiculous. But you know, if Mahomes is the first guy to get 40, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, like Wilson was Russell Wilson was a guy that reset the market, you know, a guy like Matt Ryan reset the market when he got paid Aaron Rodgers reset the market when he got paid. So, I think every guy who continues to reset the market, it makes sense. Now, Dak did not reset the market by any stretch of the imagination, but that's because that number is set. Um, obviously, the franchise tag is what the market's paying for other quarterbacks, so that makes sense from that perspective. But I think if you know if he was to sign an extension, it would probably look to be probably the 35 to 37 range in, in an ideal world, maybe more than that. But I think that would be absurd for the Cowboys to do that. In my, yeah, I just think it's insane if they, if they sign him that much money. Well, it's, yeah, it's funny. I mean, you you say it's it's utterly ridiculous. I'm right there with you, and and everything you hear from the Dak Prescott camp is that he wants 40, and if if he gets 40, that means Mahomes is he's got to get close to 50. I mean, when do these numbers stop? I mean, soon these guys will be making 75 million a year. You know what I mean? It's just how long, how far away from from 50 million a year are we? So 
if, if Dak Prescott gets 40 million, that's going to, you know, the market's going to explode for everybody else. And that, that'll be ridiculous. I mean, that should not happen. So. And the cap was supposed to go up next year. They're going to have a new CBA or a new TV deal within the CBA kick in. So it was supposed to go up potentially 20 to 30 million, but obviously with the coronavirus and the pandemic, that's going to change things. It might actually decrease the cap, you know, based off of the lost revenues since, I doubt NFL teams are going to have fans in the stadiums. Obviously, that's a different topic for probably a couple months down the road here. But, um, you know, if the cap went up that much or, or goes up that much in the future, maybe we'll start to see those $50 million, $50 million a year contracts come through. But uh, until then, I'll, I guess I'll have to be satisfied with making significantly less than, than those guys make. Yeah, it's just – it's crazy. I think, for, like, even $30 million a year is mind-blowing. When you hear $40 million a year, I think – at one point, that's what uh, right around what Cristiano Ronaldo was. You know, I'm probably butchering that a little bit, but uh, <laughs> what he was making and and he was the highest paid. I remember him being the highest paid athlete in the world. So obviously, uh, you know, like we we kind of allude, alluded to with with the market going up and up and up for these quarterbacks, it's just it's it's absolutely mind blowing to me. I think 40 million a year is just it's just it's absolutely mind blowing to me. Speaking of a guy who who makes a shit ton of money. Uh, LeBron James, 10 years ago, which is crazy to think that this is 10 years ago, but um, 10 years ago, ESPN aired the decision. It was obviously a controversial special in which NBA free agent at the time, LeBron, announced he was leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers in favor of joining forces with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and the rest of the Miami Heat. Uh, the criticism and, and feedback of the decision and his personal decision of, of LeBron and, and ESPN was pretty harsh and Pretty immediate, I would say. But there's been a behind-the-scenes documentary in the works from ESPN. LeBron is not attached to this whatsoever. It's just sort of a behind-the-scenes, and it's it's called Backstory. So um, it's a, it's sort of a, a series that features the investigative reporting of, of sort of different reporters who were around LeBron at that time, around the situation, around the NBA at that time. And it's a series that will bring some fresh perspectives to the decision. So I think some of the things that are going to be talked about, which is, is kind of cool, is that you know, the show actually, the decision actually started to take shape months earlier, um, months earlier than the actual show aired, which is pretty interesting because a lot of people thought that LeBron made that decision um, to go to the Miami Heat that week. Um, and also David Stern, you know, was urging ESPN to cancel the show um, because he thought it would empower a player too much and put too much power in one player's hands, which obviously was correct. Um, and then just goes behind the scenes into James' preparation for the decision. Um, in the hours leading up to that broadcast. So from looking back on this decision and this polarizing, I guess, live special 10 years ago, like what were your impressions of that at the time? And, you know, do you think there was sort of a shift in, I guess, the amount of player going into an individual player's hands at that time? Yeah, so uh, it doesn't help that I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan to begin with. So, um, you know, that, that comes with, with some negativity already. Uh, I just thought it was extremely uh, – I don't – I blame LeBron to a, to a certain degree. Obviously, I think he, he wanted his face to be front and center for all that. And, and I mean, I get it. Um, you know, arguably the best, the best player in the league and, and things like that. But, you know, I just think it, it was kind of just – I'm not going to say putting too much power in, in a player's hands. Ultimately, they have they had the right to exercise where they want to go. I, I don't see that as the issue. I think, I think ESPN was more so just trying to – basically just – fill their pockets on, on that extent. I think they were trying to make a, a program that, that wouldn't have been a program with, without certain decisions made by, by executives at ESPN. I think 
they definitely were, were just trying to, you know, raise the bar as far as just drama is concerned. I think they, they definitely made that, that show as, as dramatic as they could have. I mean, I think what it was a, an hour long program Yeah, and they kind of, they left the decision for like it what, took him fifty eight. It took him like thirty minutes, I think. Thirty, to okay, halfway through to take his talent to South Beach. Right, and and if you're telling me it happened months earlier, that you know a decision was actually made uh, on his account, it's you know obviously they're just they're building the anticipation. It's kind of like a soap opera to me type of scenario, but nevertheless, I mean, I think you know we haven't really seen something since. I don't know if that's because of the amount of criticism that that, that got. Um, I think it, yeah, 100% is because of that. I think, you know, I think it would, in some aspects, even though I'm not a LeBron guy and I, I didn't like him going there to begin with, but, you know, it made sense for him at the time because, it, you know, he kept hitting his head against the wall in Cleveland and that wasn't really going anywhere. So the move itself made sense. I didn't like it. I don't like when these teams, you know, I didn't like when KD necessarily went to the Warriors, even though I, I was kind of pulling for the Warriors at that time and, and things like that. Bandwagon. Just from a finals perspective, when he went there, that kind of set it over the top. I think the NBA has a problem with that, and I think it kind of stems back with, with the Celtics really starting at, what, like mid-2000s now? First super point. team. That yeah. was, yeah, they, they, I think, what, Ray Allen and Garnett got traded there, though? And then LeBron was a free agent decision, so. I think Garnett signed. I know, I think one of them signed there. And I think so the maybe, other one So, I think Garnett free. signed there, and then Allen was, right. a, was a free or was a trade. <laughs> So, like, I think two of them were, were already in the works to go there. And then, you know, the three Musketeers that ended up being uh, Garnett, Paul Pierce, the longtime veteran for the Celtics. And then – I hate uh, Paul Pierce. <laughs> he, was, he was kind of a crybaby. I'll give you that. Uh, Not as a – just as an analyst. Back to the Kendrick Perkins thing. <laughs> same, same guy to me. I think Paul – I mean, Paul Pierce at least has some type of guy. His nickname is the truth. And he says anything but the truth. That is a cool nickname. Though. I don't lie. Don't lie. I, I, if – if I had We're the not talking about his nickname. <laughs> live up live up to your nickname and actually say the truth on air one time. He doesn't have LeBron in his top like four players in NBA history. Well here's the who's he, remind me who he works for. The mothership. The ESPN. Yeah, there's your problem right there. Yeah, I he if you probably talked to him yeah, off air, he yeah. he probably uh he probably says LeBron's in his top four, but you know, they want to paint a narrative just like with you know, Kendrick Perkins and, and everybody else. I, I think ESPN has become cancerous. This is um, this is also confirmed. Paul Pierce once shit himself on the basketball court in the middle of the game. Had to be taken off in a wheelchair. You know, I got that tells I, me everything I need to know about Paul Pierce. <laughs> Guy can't even hold it in a shit while he's playing basketball. Uh, I'll leave. I'll leave the. Uh, I'll leave the cramps discussion out of this one. Man. But uh, you know, that, you know, some menstrual cramps going on with LeBron. You know, that that'd, be, had... that'd be genetically impossible. <laughs> we'll move on. Well, uh, you know, I just had to poke fun there. But, hot there. But that, that's. <laughs> That's I didn't know that Paul Pierce shat himself on the court. That's <laughs> that's definitely something I'm, I'm glad I learned today. And and going forward, uh, I probably won't look at him the same. Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think yeah, I think LeBron had to do what he did. If you know, if you take a look at, if you want to have some fun, just take a look at the 03 to 2010 Cleveland Cavaliers lineups, and that I think tells you all. Bo you Williams, need. baby. Yeah, <laughs> better than Damian Lillard. <laughs> I, th- I think that tells you all you, all you need to know about uh, why LeBron went there. It, obviously, it's not ideal. Like, you don't really like to see a super team. You don't like to see, you know, KD go to the Warriors. You don't like to see Paul Pier- uh, Paul George and, and Kawhi go to the, the Clippers. You don't like to see Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden in, in There's no loyalty, Rockets. I think. I think that, that, that kind of – I don't know. I mean, you can speak on it better in the NHL, but 
this type of thing doesn't seem to happen really in any other sport that I can think of. It, it doesn't happen. The NHL, there's so much parity. Like, we, and we, you know, back in, like, 2012 when, when the Kings won the Cup, they were the eighth seed, and, you know, they took out the San Jose Sharks, who had the best record in, in the league that year in, in like, five games. So there, there's so much parity in the NHL, and one of the reasons why I think the sport's so fascinating, anybody can win on any given year, but, like, outside of the top five teams in the NBA, no, no team outside of those teams – out. Jesus Christ, I can't talk. <laughs> Outside of that top five, there's any chance of sniffing the final. So, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Giannis. Giannis is a free agent after the 2020-21 season. Um, obviously, in a, in a shit market like Milwaukee. Um, might not wow. like but, I mean, is it? No, you're, you're right. Just, <laughs> shout getting, out to the Milwaukee Bucks fans because they just got completely just decimated. I mean, is it is it a big market? Yes or no? <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Just – to say it's shit, Mark, that, uh, that's good stuff. I like it. Mean, what, I do like they have it. cheese and beer there? <laughs> I, I mean, he, he, from, all, from all accounts, from what I've read, he's like a different guy. Like, he's not a LeBron. He's not like a, an L.A. guy. He's not a New York guy. So, I could I would not be surprised at all if he, if he stays there. But and they have a good team. They've lost like 12 games this year at the time of the pause. So, I don't think talent is a, is a problem. I don't think the record is a problem. And it was never a problem for LeBron in Cleveland. It's just he saw that he wasn't – going to get over the top and you know I know Giannis was in the finals last year but I don't see him beating I don't see him beating the Lakers or the Clippers in the finals this year do you no yeah no, that's, I don't that's think I, I don't even know if they get out of the east I don't know who do you think beats him I I think Philly has a chance you know I I think if if Philly can get on track I think Philly has a chance they're they're extremely inconsistent this year they're not what they were last year I think that's a lot to do with Jimmy Buckets uh no longer being there I think from a leadership perspective, they're kind of missing that. Embiid's kind of a you know an up and down player. When when he's there, he can be extremely effective. But uh, some of the times he's just last year. You look at it like he was uh, you know went through every injury known to man in that playoffs. The flu, then he, his face was busted up, and then a couple of fingers were broken. I think at one point. So if he can be there consistently on the court, you know, for a seven game series, maybe they they get over the top. Obviously, the East is far weaker than the West and, and has been for, for quite some time now. So, you know, really, I, I don't know other than, than those two teams. I got to look back at the standings because it's been so long since, you know, obviously these games have, have gone on. But So, Philly, um, Philly over the Bucks, Place your best Possible. Now. Yes. <laughs> I, no, I, think, I think the Celtics are up there. So, uh, so you can't count out the Celtics. The Raptors actually are 46-18 and 18 without Hawaii, which is – They won't do shit in the playoffs. Hard, big, big take there. Extremely, <laughs> that's extremely That's how left field I know. Miami's 41 and 24. I don't anticipate they them doing do much. It's, it's honestly a dumpster fire other than Boston. I mean, even Philly is the sixth seed. What Philly really struggles with is they're 29 and two at home, which is, I think, the best home record. Are you record. serious? At, um, yeah, it is the best home record in, in the NBA over the, over the Lakers, over, you know, you. Any team you, you can throw at. Well, it's a good thing they're going to play all their playoff games in Orlando. <laughs> I guess everybody's on the road. So, it, I guess it's neutral. So, they'll probably – looking at their away record, they're 10-24, and 24, which is atrocious. That's garbage. Utterly just atrocious. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know how that, that favors them or does not favor them uh, going to Orlando. Obviously, that's not their, their home stadium, but nobody's right. – Nobody's really going to be playing at their home stadium if there's a lack of fans, regardless. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, like Aaron said, Bucks over 76ers. Actually, 76ers over Bucks. Place your bets. My finalist prediction is is Lakers over the Bucks. How many games they go on? Six. 
I'll go six. Six. I won't go five because that's kind of ridiculous. I'll go six. I'll say I'll say it's it's tough. I'm a, I'm gonna go Clippers. I'll go Clippers over probably Milwaukee. I think Philly might take them to. If Philly gets past the Toronto, I think Philly and Milwaukee go to seven games. That'd be a good series. I think Philly, from a from a perspective of length, can match up with the Bucks pretty good. I know the Bucks are uh, a, a tall team. Obviously, you got Giannis, who's a giant, a, a man child. So, how does Embiid stack up with Giannis when they play? That's that's a good. I think like it, can can he like shut him down for stretches, or is it basically still like domination for? for both those guys and they have the ball in their hands. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I know Embiid last year and, and Giannis kind of got, got into it. Embiid's kind of been known to, to troll people and, and get under their skin. Uh, from, a, from a perspective of just in the regular season, I mean, they, they played uh, now eight games uh, against each other, and, and Giannis is five and, five and three versus Embiid. Um, Somewhat even. Yeah, so – you know, not, not like, you know, it could go either way. I think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking here. Giannis dominated him, dominated him uh, in the 2017-2018 season. Uh, in the one game they played, he scored 35, then Embiid's 19. And then 27, I mean, you're, you're going back a few years now. So the last time, let's just go to the last time they played. Uh, Giannis had 30, 31 and 17 with Embiid only coming up with 17 and 11. So it might work. Yeah, the only – I mean, there's been a couple times Embiid's outscored him, but actually once. Only once Embiid's outscored Giannis, and that was when Embiid went for 31, 31 and 11, uh, and Giannis had 18 and 14. So, uh, still a pretty good performance on Giannis's perspective. Just didn't shoot the ball very well that night, but – All right, so he's got Embiid's number a little bit. A little bit, yeah. He's got his number. We'll, we'll see if he can change down the playoffs. Anything goes in Orlando. I think without fans, that probably – you know, takes out the road disadvantage for the 76ers and, and hopefully they can get back to their home quote unquote dominance. But uh, that's our show. And, and Aaron, why don't you take us home? Yeah. So uh, touched on the NBA on this one. I think what end of July for the, for the NBA to, yep. to, to restart and yep. obviously at a neutral site in Orlando. So if we hear any news about anybody sitting out, we'll obviously uh, you know, cue you guys in and, uh, you know, we'll look forward to, to what happens over the weekend. If, if anything, take us home.